Welcome to a Silver Lined Relaunch. And okay, get ready for this one. Because when you talk about, which you all know we ask at the end, powerhouse of possibility, I got it. I got the girl, the lady, the woman, and I have Megan Murphy here with us today. She is the author of Your Fully Charged Life, which is Penguin Random House. She's the editor-in-chief of Woman's Day Magazine. And she has had, I mean, we're talking like, wait till you hear this list of media career. She's been, she's been spanning the team, people, self, Cosmo, good housekeeping. She's an on-air personality. She's on the Today Show, Live with Kelly and Ryan, Inside Edition. She also is the host of Off the Gram Podcast. So we have so much to talk about. So get ready, because here comes this show. This episode is brought to you by the Fired Up Entrepreneur Program. And this is a program that we are so proud of. The results have been downright remarkable. And we want to invite you to get a glimpse of what it is like inside this program by inviting you to participate in the business boot camp, which is a five-day free event. And get involved with this because the pearls that we're going to be sharing each and every day are going to be the foundation for allowing you to make money, keep the money, grow the money, and strengthen not only your business, but also yourself. So please take advantage of this and join us at our next boot camp. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hillary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. All right, Megan, we are here. So excited. And I loved when we had our pre-call and started to go down some of the different topics and your career. Incredible, incredible. You are somebody that I have admired and so excited to have you here. We were introduced by a wonderful gal who's actually, she's launching her book this week. Leonie Kotcher, so excited. If you haven't picked up Ski Weekend, definitely go do that. And Megan, wow, wow. All I can say is, and and we're here to talk about the relaunches, the significant relaunches in your life. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And so as we start to look at some of these things, and there's always the, the folks that say, oh my gosh, which one should I discuss? I know that when we talked, you said, hey, I've really got one. And I know it was near and dear to my heart. You had said that you had just talked with Hoda, I think, about it on the Today Show. Can you walk us through, I mean, how you're sitting where you're sitting right now and the relaunches that have been the most impactful? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been lots of relaunches and reinventions and course correcting through the through throughout the trajectory of my life. I think um, one of the biggest 
pinnacle moments of recent years was was my father's illness. I lost my father to pancreatic cancer. Um, and he was my guy, he was my person. Um, you know, he was my biggest cheerleader. I think he's the person that made me really believe that everything was always possible. And he would always be there cheering me on. Um, he was the person- how long, ago, how, how long ago was this? So he's gone now six years in January. Mm. And I, I think so, I mentioned my mom passed two years ago this month from uh, colon cancer. Works, right? I threw out and it was fast and just like you're saying with your dad, she was my rock. And so oh, I get it. Really, it shapes you. And I think it's, it's that moment of like, really, we can never actually control what's happening to us, but we can always control our reaction. And I think there was a moment when, you know, he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And, you know, I had taken off a day of work to go to chemo with him because that was really important to me to have some of those moments. And he was sitting in this green faux leather chair and he's getting pumped up with some chemical cocktail and it's not looking good, right? I mean, he was stage four pancreatic cancer. That's a rough cancer. Uh, you wanna stay hopeful and you wanna be optimistic, but it's not a good one. Um, and in that moment, I said to him, hey, listen, Pop, I am not giving up hope, love you with all my heart, but how do you want to be remembered? And it, and it was really just an opportunity mm -hmm. to understand what he believed his legacy was and how he wanted to leave this world. Um, and of course, I'm crying and he's crying. And, and the thing is, he was so specific and so clear without any hesitation of exactly how he wanted to be remembered and, and the legacy he wanted his 11 grandchildren and my siblings and I to continue. Um, and, and it was really kind of beautiful because you know, he had a, a long and illustrious career. He was very successful um, in labor relations, but that, none of that mattered. He didn't care about any of that. What he really wanted to be remembered for were three things. Um, the first one was the pop point. He just had this way of pointing at you um, to make you feel noticed and seen and appreciated and that he did was- you just say, Did you just say the pop point? The pop point. Oh yeah. my God, I love that. <laughs> That's so it great. was just his way, like, yeah. it, he just would go like this. Mm. And you for know, those that, you for those that are listening, she's just pointing. She's just, just like pointing, pointing at me, just saying, okay. Yeah, it was just like, it was a point with like a very knowing look mm. that just made you feel like, okay, like he's, he's got me, he's cheering, I'm understood and I'm seen and everything's going to somehow be okay. So we needed to continue to the point. And to this day, when we all get in a picture, we point to heaven and we do the pop point. It's really, really sweet. Oh, this you know what? You know why I love this so much is that when I got married and I got married six years ago, uh, second marriage, and I had just lost my grandmother who lived to 105. So wow. you can now understand why my mom's passing was so shocking because it was like, what? I was expecting her to be here for another you know, 25, 30 years. And I did, I did, I pointed to the sky. There's a picture oh. of me just like, hey, grandma, I know you're here. Like, I gotcha. You're, you're, Mula. so I love that you do that. Mm. Um, and the other thing he wanted to be remembered for was scratch off lottery tickets. Um, we had this <laughs> tradition. It's so funny, but we had this tradition of like, you would go, anytime we got together for a big meal, he would put scratch off lottery tickets under every plate. 
And so as we all sat down to dinner, you'd go around the table and you would scratch your lottery ticket and you would announce whether you were, as he liked to say, a winner or a wiener. <laughs> I mean, he was sort of very into punny business, I think, which is why I love a pun and, and silly language so much. But, yeah. And sometimes the little kids, like at that point, would cry and be like, I'm not a wiener, but I'm a wiener and not a winner. Or if you were the winner and you got your, you won five bucks or a free ticket or whatever, we would celebrate and shout around the table and he was like always always keep up those lottery tickets like never stop the scratch off lottery tickets um and then sea glass so we had my parents um lived at the beach the jersey shore and he would go treasure hunting with all of his grandchildren for sea glass now because of the advent of recycling and you know just modern like sea glass isn't as easy to find as it was when we were kids Right. So he started going to Michael's and filling his pockets with like store-bought sea glass. And so like as you treasure hunted and walked along the beach, he'd be stealthily throwing the sea glass. On ah, the he's like breadcrumbing it for the kids. <laughs> and so everybody would come home with so many pieces of sea glass. And he was like, you know, that, that was his legacy. That's how he wanted to be remembered. The point scratch off lottery tickets um, and sea glass. And so at his funeral, we actually had everybody scratch off lottery tickets with sea glass and do the point, which was really, really special. I just got chills. That's so, you know what, so amazing. But you know what's even more interesting about this story is here you've got a guy that is literally looking at, you know, death's window right there, you know, death's door, I guess he's about to open it. And what does he really talk about? What does he really say his legacy is? He says it's it's the human connection, it's the experiences, right? I mean, these are, you know, you talk about the pop point, you talk about the the scratch off lottery tickets, you talk about the sea glass. That is so amazing. It's well, not the thing, gigantic things, right? He wasn't talking about his beach house or his car or it like none of that mattered. And it was it was a very interesting moment for me because it made it clear that it was also my turn to take a moment and reflect about how I wanted to be remembered and how I wanted to leave this world. And for me, that, that was very clear that I needed to write this book, that I needed to write the fully charged life, your fully charged life. Because what people had always asked of me was, how do you get this positive energy? How do you live with so much zest? And the truth was I trained to live this way because I wasn't, well, not inherently positive. I'm not inherently energized or optimistic. But I've trained the same way I trained to run a marathon or I trained to see my abs after having kids again. You know, I trained to live this way. And so I knew that my legacy really in large part would be to, to give people this happiness toolkit that I worked so hard to, to craft and create. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was, it was like I was then on a mission, got an agent, spent a year on a proposal, sold the book to Penguin Random House, spent a year writing it while also doing all the other jobs um, because it was so important. To, like it just was so clear and so important to me to do that and to be able to dedicate it to him. It's for Pop, my cardinal. I mean, that, that was such a gift. Oh, that's so, that, that is so meaningful. And I, I, as you know, I told you, I'm in the process of writing a book and oh, I mean, it is, I never knew how much work I have so much respect for people who've gotten their books out there. But one thing that you said that I really want to touch on 
you said that, you know, this, this concept of that positive behavior, that happiness is something that you can build up. You know, it's not this, you know, automatic. I grew up in a household that I thought there was something wrong with me because I wasn't happy all the time. And I'm a happy person. And I literally beat myself up. It's one of my own limiting beliefs that like, how come, how come I just can't operate at that level? And when I finally realized that, wait a second, I can train my brain. I can build this up. I can understand that when I'm spiraling, when I'm going down that negativity trap, when I start to realize that I'm human and I am a human being, not just, you know, I'm not just a human doing things, right? Checking off the list. It really did. It, it helped me understand that you can get to that point where you look at things differently. You look at situations in a different way. Can you explain a little bit more about your happiness toolkit, which by the way, I love, I love everything about it. So, so the book, Your Fully Charged Life, is really sort of organized by different charges um, or happiness buckets, if you will. I looked a lot at the research of Martin Seligman in the field of positive psychology. Um, and and I, I had, when I was at Cosmo, I wrote an article called The Seven Secrets of Happiness, where I really first discovered um, that happiness was a state of doing, not a state of being, and that there were actual steps you could take, things you could do to move the happiness needle. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm fascinated with the PERMA theory of wellness and the fact that the acronym starts for the P is positive emotions, the E is engagements, the R is relationships, the M is meaning, and the A is accomplishment. And, and really what I do in the book and in life is, is try to, to put deposits in each of those banks because what helps us thrive and what helps us flourish in life are those key components. So I, I'm not having a good day today, right? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having, I'm on the struggle bus. It's Monday morning. Not everything is going right. Okay, so now I need to look at what, where can I focus my energy to, to move the happiness needle, right? Because I'm not in a good place today. But, I, but I'm not going to end the day in this place. I'm going to understand that there are things I can do all day long to inch toward full battery. And it started with, getting up and going to the gym at 6.15 a.m., even though I kind of wanted to stay under the covers because I'm kind of in an eh mood. But that put a deposit in the happiness bank and just moving my body, committing to myself, doing something for me, inched me forward. Then I made my bed. I feel better when I make my bed. That small sense of accomplishment first thing in the morning puts a deposit in the happiness bank and it, and it inches me toward better. It doesn't mean I'm... I'm shitting rainbows right now because I'm not, but I'm, but I'm inching toward happy. And you know what? I made myself a really great breakfast and I sat and enjoyed it with a cup of pumpkin flavored coffee because pumpkin makes me happy. And I bought myself flowers because you know what? Flowers make me happy. I always buy myself flowers on Mondays. I tend to be on the struggle bus on Mondays. I buy myself flowers and I love all of the Harvard research that I can quote that says, you know what, having fresh flowers in the house is going to help ease anxiety and make you feel a little bit better. And so it's just these series of things that I will do all day long to inch toward better when I don't feel okay. Now, having done all these things- I got, wait, I got to tell you, I'm right there with you on that struggle bus. 
it, it was a very challenging weekend for, for me personally. And there's these stories that are coming up when I'm writing and editing and I'm like, oh, it's heavy. Lots of stories around, you know, my mom, lots of stories around things that I have suppressed or, you know, wanting me to put behind those doors. And I woke up this morning and I'm like, ah, oh, first off, this was a highlight. I was so excited to talk to you. So I'm like, okay, how can I change, reframe everything that I'm feeling right now? Because sometimes we don't know what's going on in the middle of the night, right? We don't know what kind of dreams we're having. We don't know what kind of crazy thoughts that are going through our subconscious. But I opened the window and there was a, a, a sunrise, like you can't imagine. I'm in Boulder, Colorado. It just lit up the sky and I stood there and I just I was mesmerized by it. I was just like, take it in, Hillary. That's the beauty of today. And then I have to tell you, normally I don't make my bed until a little bit later, but I'm like, and make that goddamn bed right now. <laughs> Get it off my list. So I did. So funny that you're, yes. It's just all of these little things and they seem trivial and they seem stupid, but it's like all of these little things can add up to a big difference, a big payoff, a big change in your mood, in your disposition, in your day. And I think that's really the key is understanding like, wow, this might be the thing that's you, that changes things for you. You know, I also know that when I do good, I feel good. I, you know, I had heard of a family who, you know, lost everything in a fire. Like I went to Target and bought a gift card and made up a little care package because you know what? Selfishly, I feel good when I do good. And sometimes stepping outside of yourself and outside of your own crap day or your crap mood or your own BS is what's going to get you better and, and make you feel okay. So it's just all of these little things that ultimately recharge you and help you to operate at full battery when maybe you didn't start that way. So one thing that you, you mentioned during this happiness toolkit you know, discussion is that you're really... You're, you came up with the one, the things that make you happy, right? You said, and I love, I, I often tell people that uh, when I'm talking to them about, you know, hey, what, what actually inspires you? What do you love? What do you miss not, you know, in your life, especially for, you know, people that are having, you know, tough times in their business or relationships or just life. And many times women say, I love flowers. And I love that Monday, go buy some flowers. Great, buy them for yourself for yourself. Well, and the key too for me, so is I've been a service journalist for 25 years. So a lot of times something will work for me and then I'll, then I'll backtrack and be like, well, why does it work? And then I will find the research behind the thing that is working for me. So like I knew, wow, flowers improve my mood. They make me feel better. Why? And then I do, then I dig into the research and sometimes it's the opposite. I'll hear something and I'll be like, okay, yeah. Okay. I, I know that gratitude and having an attitude of gratitude and practicing gratitude is mood magic, but guess what? Keeping a gratitude diary feels like homework and I can't do it. So what is it about gratitude? How can I trick myself into practicing gratitude in a way that doesn't feel like homework? And, and then I, then I, okay, what if I change it to asking myself, what's made you say yay today and asking my kids, what made you say yay today? Cause it's the same act of pausing to appreciate but I don't have to do it in a journal and it doesn't have to feel like this isolated thing that I'm doing, you know, in a journal that, that, that just doesn't connect for me. And then what if I, instead of saying I have to do things, thinking about all the things I get to do, I'm making that simple reframe 
to teach myself, to trick myself to into practicing gratitude because there's really a lot of things I get to do. There's not that many things that I have to do. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. There was something when I have three kids and my, uh, my husband has two kids. So we're kind of this modern day Brady Bunch. And we used to growing up um, with my kids, we would do this game of Rose Thorn Bud. And it was the highlight of your day what you're, you know, really grateful for, you really appreciate this happen. Then there's the rose, the thorn, the worst part of the day, because there's always a lesson to be learned in that, that thorn being pricked, right? And then the bud is, what are you looking forward to tomorrow? And I don't have kids at home anymore. They've, They've all gone off, but I still, this is my own way of gratitude practice my own way of self-reflection, my own way of self-love mm-hmm. is before I go to bed, I just, you know, it, it doesn't take long. I agree with you. Sometimes those, you know, times where you have to write things down and you feel like obligated. Oh my gosh, I got to do it. I'm on day number eight, but this is just something that goes through my head. So as I'm going to bed, I am thinking about what it's like forward gratitude, right? What am I looking forward to tomorrow? And then I go to sleep, but I'm, I'm, really leaning into I I love that part of it that there is something that you can be doing to increase your own level of gratitude by by just knowing yourself a little bit better and that's I think what you've been able to do since your dad's passing is it sounds like you had you know this 360 all right wait a second I need to like reassess what will my legacy be when I finally you know (laughs) open that door to, you know, the next journey. Exactly. And I think it's an, it's an interesting way to live Mm. in a way that you're proud of so that how you will be remembered is exactly how you want to be remembered. Yeah. It's an interesting um, concept because when my um, grandmother turned 90, she was, I mean, again, I said she lived to 105. Her big thing was she loved good food. Even though, you know, she was a Nebraska girl. She came out of the vaudeville families of Nebraska, one of the first ones, and she was meat and potatoes. But as she got older, I said to her, what do you want for your birthday? And she said, I want to go to the finest restaurants in San Francisco. So every month, during her 90th birthday year, we would go to a restaurant. I would call ahead. I'd say, you know, she loved being like the queen bee in the restaurants and the chef would come out and say hello to her and she would light up and every month they would give us this free dessert. And I have to tell you, I'm almost embarrassed about it because they would, they would do this big production for her. Yet she had already turned 90 and we had done, you know, 10 different restaurants. But during those, those one-on-one times that we had, I would ask her, I'd say, you know, share with me highlights of your life. And I was able to look back and like, or look forward and say, what would I say? What would I say about what I would want to be doing right now mm-hmm. in my life? And it, it shapes what I'm doing, right? It shapes the fact that I'm even sitting down and, and doing all this book stuff. And I, cause I know that there's so much that's out there that people you know, what sparks you may not spark me, but my gosh, I am going to, I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to hopefully plant many seeds in many people's lives. It's awesome. I can't live 105. I like, what do you think her secret sauce was just good food? 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was chocolate that she had. A piece of C's candy every morning at 10. <laughs> goes against everything, right? <laughs> but no, it was, I think, uh, you know, again, it's one of those crazy things. My great-grandmother lived to 106. My great-great-grandmother was 101. I mean, the women in the family were just long lifers. And that's when mom called and it was right after a milestone birthday I just had, we all were on this big high and she's like, they found 13, 13 lesions. And I'm like, you know, I had remember had regular colonoscopies. You know what she had and she had never had anything. And the doctor said, Hey, there's this new thing called a colonography instead of a colonoscopy you're, you know, 72 years old. Why don't we just do that? And so she did that and they missed it. And they, you know, it's slow growing and just missed it. And he had told her specifically, you never need to um, get another one. So anyway, when I think about what you're doing now and you talk about all that you, I mean, you, everyone listened and heard everything that was, you know, you've done and accomplished to date. What else do you want to accomplish at this point? What's on your, what's on your bucket list? I'd like to take some things off my plate. Um, I'm really just trying to understand what's most important. I think the pandemic has really been eye-opening for so many of us. Um, and I'm really, really trying to uh, assess what goes and what stays. And I don't have answers yet. Um, How are you making those decisions? How do you make that decision? What stays and what goes? A lot of it is going to have to do with flexibility and freedom and which opportunities allow me the most of flexibility and freedom. Because what I'm understanding is for me right now, my core values are family, fun, flexibility, and freedom. (laughs) The Fs. (laughs) So how do I create maximum family time, all the fun with freedom and flexibility built in. Maybe that's your next book, the four F's, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, these are really the F words we need to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's so many F words in my life, but fun is a big one. Um, yeah, so that, you know, and, I, and I'm like in a state of flux. Like I think like so many of us, I mean, like the great resignation is real. And I think so many of us are kind of going through that. Like, you know, I've been a busy working mom. My oldest is 11. I have an 11, a nine and an eight year old. And, um, you know, I've always been a good hands-on, right? A mom, you know, I, I'm mom in a way I'm proud of, mm-hmm. but there were things that I didn't know were important that I won't give back. And, and it's silly things like understanding Driving carpool is the best way to know what's going on. I love eavesdropping in carpool. I never want to give up carpool. Like I want to be able to not be commuting into the city so that I can drive my kids places and find out what's going on. I want the intel. I love it. And And I, I, they'll turn 16 soon enough. I completely, I think you are spot on. Keep doing that because when they finally, I remember those times where after they had gotten their license. They're like, oh, mom, can you take me? I'd be like, yes, I'll cancel everything just to take you in the car again. It's crazy. I love it. I, you know, and you know, I'd always front load. I used to like to say I front load my day with yay. I always had breakfast with them. I always got them to school. We always had nice quality time in the morning. 
what I also didn't understand was how important that after school time is because that's really when they download their day, you kind of really figure out, you know, what's going on with their teachers? What, what, what happened in the lunchroom? What happened on the playground? You know, by the time I would get home from work, you know, I mean, I snuggled and tucked them into bed and, but I didn't get that like down and dirty right after school intel. And you know what, I don't wanna give that back. Um, I won't give that back. So this is where I'm at, is just trying to figure out how am I going to navigate career and family in a different way. Mm. I think that, you know, as we sit here and everybody is going through some form of a relaunch right now, everybody, everybody I talk to, things have changed, things have set into, you know, the future, a different way of family norm. And you do have a chance to redefine it now. Yeah. And here's the thing is, it was good. Mm -hmm. And it's still good, but I, but I want different, you know, and it's, and that is what I'm going to have to figure out. I get that. And you know what, you have to give yourself the time, the freedom, as you said, you know, family fun, flexibility and freedom. You have to give yourself those opportunities to lean into those areas so that you can come up with your, your plan, being clear on that plan, and then setting it into action. Well, when you think about, I mean, all I have to do is think about my dad and my chemo chair. He's not like, I'm so glad I crushed that board meeting. You know, I'm just never going to forget the time I negotiated that labor relations contract. And like, none of that matters, right? Like, that's not what's going to matter to me. It's not really what matters now. I'm grateful that I have a successful career and I'm proud of my work, but it doesn't actually matter. Here's something that I would like to ask your thought about is that, you know, we all are gonna lose our parents, right? I mean, that is inevitable, 100%. And for some, you know, like you, like me, we lose them earlier than we would have liked. But there's a point for those that haven't lost a significant you know, family member in their life, but it's coming and it, you know, how do you, is your mom still alive? She is. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you with your family living differently? How is that now? Because I do find sometimes like, I just want to hold on tight to them. Sure. I'm just like, Oh, so in the moment, so present, like this is, a, a, it's not even like a memory that we'll remember, but I will. I'm like, Oh, I take that mental snapshot, like a camera with my eyes closing because I'm so, I'm so much more like just appreciative of like, oh my God, my, my dad is really sick right now. And so I've been spending a ton of time going back and forth to Northern California and I just sit there and I, I, get, I put my phone off to the side and I'm just present. I'm like, all oh, these moments, you just don't know when they're going to not be there anymore. I think that like the gift in loss is that it does help you to appreciate that tomorrow is absolutely not promised and that really this is what we have. And so what I, I will sometimes like if I listen to a friend like complaining about a parent or, a, or what, 
I, like, it just makes me laugh. Like you, you might not get to have that parent that you're complaining about in a week, a month, two years from now. Like the things that you're annoyed by, you're lucky to get to be annoyed by, right? Um, I mean, I definitely feel like I had, and I had some, some loss. I lost my best friend early in life too. So, you know, I've experienced some significant loss and I think it's only been a gift in the sense that it's, it's given me quite a bit of perspective that I'm pretty unflappable in most situations because I understand just how fragile life is. Um, my husband lost his dad. His dad was, he was, my husband was 20 when he lost his dad to kidney cancer. So my kids, we don't have grandparents. We don't have a lot of men in our family, like a lot of male role models. And, you know, I, I will sometimes choke up when I see, you know, a grandfather at a game, you know, like cheering their grandchildren on. And I'm like, man, we, I wish we had had, we had gotten that chance, you know, and, and we, we, we don't, but, but I guess the gift in all of it is that I can appreciate that grandpa on the sidelines so much and appreciate my husband and my mom and my mother-in-law and my family and what we do have and what we're lucky enough to get to have. Mm, well, I wish we could continue just to talk about this because it is itself soothing as well, right? And I think we're all so desperately in need of a little self-love. And well, you know, someone said to me, if I had could leave you with one thought, and I thought this was really beautiful, and I can't remember who said it to me, but they said to me, if you can mention it, you can manage it. And I think when you talk about things that are hard or that hurt, or what you're going through or your pain. And when you're able to say it, when it, when you're able to, to get it out, when you're able to mention it, you have empowered yourself to manage it. And I think that's such a beautiful thing is just to give yourself the chance to connect with others who could be, you know, a support or a comforting ear, right? If we can, we can mouth it, we can manage it, right? <laughs> that's so great. I might have to just embrace that one right now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I love that. Okay, so the one that I am very excited to hear from you is always this rapid fire question that I ask. What is your favorite beauty product by name? And with your experience, I'm excited to hear this one. Yeah, so the funny thing, okay, so two, first I have to say, I started getting eyelash extensions and they're my secret sauce in life. So I like, I feel pretty all the time, even though I don't really have hair and makeup skills. Um, because I have eyelash extensions. So I have Cetaphil face wash and moisturizer. Cetaphil, every, like that's just plain old Cetaphil face wash and moisturizer. Oh, you're good. That's like the Noxzema days, right? Yep. Oh, I'm like, that's it. That's the only yep. products I use, but I always have my eyelash extensions so that I look, I look fancy. Um, and I love fresh lemon sugar perfume. I love to smell like a lemon. Isn't that funny how certain people just like certain smells so much? Lemon. I just, it's, I find it, I, I did a story on this once, but it stimulates your trigeminal nerve and it's um, very energizing. And I feel that. Ah, I love that. Well, okay. So last but not least, when I, I opened with this and what is a powerhouse of possibility? What does that mean to you? Oh, well, I always believe everything is always possible especially if you just ask forgiveness instead of permission. That is it. Ask forgiveness instead of permission. 
Oh, Megan, thank you for being here, for giving us all this incredible insight. Where can people find more? Where can they hear more about your book, about you? Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram and that's at Megan B. Murphy. It's like M-E-A-G-H-A-N B. Murphy. Um, my book is available, Your Fully Charged Life. Look what it looks like. Um, look for the bright orange cover wherever books are sold. I find that most people tend to buy books on Amazon. That's yeah. where most of my books seem to be sold. Um, and I did the Audible myself too, which I'm really proud of. So if you want to walk or run or listen to me in the car, I did the audiobook myself. I like hearing authors on basis. I really do because it also is more impactful and those those hidden messages come out. It was cool. I had COVID while I was recording it. So it was like a triumph for me on a personal level because I was sick. Wow. Um, so you can sometimes check that out. Yeah. I cry, my voice cracks. Like it was a it was like an intense labor of love. Like I survived it and I was determined mm. to do it. Mm. So great. Megan, thank you. We will have all of this in the show notes. And again, such a pleasure for me having this, this time with you. Same. Thank you so much. And good luck with your writing. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Yay. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, Will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining and now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.